Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Of all the disciples called by the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, probably the one that we can most readily identify with is Peter. Simon Barjona, as he was known before the Lord changed his name to Peter in John chapter 1, was as impetuous as he was fervent and often found himself as the target of the Lord Jesus' reproof. Recall, for example, in Matthew 16, Peter's sympathetic suggestion to the Lord that he should keep himself from the suffering of death that he knew awaited him. Get behind me, Satan, was the Lord's reply. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. How could Peter possibly recover from such a stinging rebuke? And of course, it was also Peter who denied the Lord three times during the hour of trial preceding the actual crucifixion. Yet only days later, it was this same Peter who stood on the day of Pentecost and ushered thousands into the kingdom with his powerful and dynamic speaking. And not only so, in his two epistles, Peter uses language and phrases so rich and full of high and profound meaning that we cannot help but marvel at the power of God's full salvation, that this unlearned fisherman could write such things. Listen to his word in 1 Peter chapter 1 knowing that it was not with corruptible things, with silver or gold, that you were redeemed from your vain manner of life, handed down from your fathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the blood of Christ. Welcome to our first life study of the book of First Peter. And we're always happy to have Ron Kagus with us at such a time. Ron, good to have you back. It's good to be back. It's hard to recall the last time I was in this little studio. But it seems so fresh and so new to serve together again, this time in the life study of First Peter. I appreciated in your opening fellowship, Peter's being was targeted both before and after the Lord's crucifixion mm-hmm. and resurrection. And we need to uh, recognize the importance of Peter to us in both aspects because we're the same as he in not understanding what the Lord was speaking and doing things out of himself Mm -hmm. in failing in the natural life, but also as God's chosen ones saved by him and redeemed and regenerated we may expect that Peter's positive experiences will also be ours and that the change in Peter's being, even in his intrinsic constitution, points to such a change that will take place within us. We'll see that in his portion of the New Testament ministry, especially in writing his two epistles, Peter sounds out a particular note, and we'll 
leave this to the upcoming fellowship, even in this program, to bring to light. But I'm impressed that the substance of Peter's ministry, even the central thought of Peter's written ministry, is really matched by Peter's intrinsic being as constituted by the Lord, as one who lived through the very thing that he wrote about. This is the integrity and the genuineness of the New Covenant ministry. Peter is a book that is not given that much attention. Rarely are the depths of this book opened up, mm-hmm. and even more rarely still is the central theme or subject clearly presented. I mention all these things in the desire that our listeners would have a sense of divine anticipation as we come to this book together, that we will all have a seeking spirit and a pure heart to pursue the Lord in his word and to hear things from his word and to see things in his word that we have not heard or seen before. I believe this will be a very blessed, profitable, and supplying series of programs. Okay, let's pick up a couple of verses actually in the Gospel of John to uh, provide the background for our first segment today. Of course, we see Peter again and again, and Witness Lee will underscore this in his sharing, in the Gospels, uh, not really apprehending, not really entering into what the Lord was actually presenting. But we have this passage in John 16. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of reality, comes, he will guide you into all the reality, for he will not speak from himself, and he will declare to you the things that are coming, and he will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and will declare it to you. I think certainly we'll agree after this next portion, Peter was the beneficiary of such a very spiritual experience. All right, here's Witness Lee with our first section from the life study of First Peter. Peter does have something so rich, so high, and so particular to minister to us. A particular characteristic of Peter's writing is this. He always uses the high adjectives, like uh, precious blood, right? incorruptible seed, unfading glory, unfading, incorruptible, precious. This indicates that something has been really built up in Peter. If you read the four Gospels, you may think Peter was the highest fool, so stupid. But the Lord Jesus selected him and put him ahead of all the other disciples. Peter saw the things without any spiritual understanding. So this was why in John 14, 15, 16, the Lord Jesus says, when the spirit of reality comes, he will lead you into all the reality. And I have so many things to tell you, but now you just cannot bear. And after the day of resurrection, 
when the spirit of reality did come, I do believe Peter was the first one infused by this spirit of reality. Could you see after the four Gospels? Right away, in the first chapter of Acts, Peter became different. Peter was always talking nonsense in the four Gospels, right? But in Acts 1, no more nonsense. Oh, Peter stood up. He was transparent, a crystal clear brother. Why? Because the spirit of reality. That means the spirit of truth has not only come, but also infused Peter. Something so solid, so high, so rich, so strong, was really built into Peter. Ron, he was referring to Peter in the book of Acts here. And of course, the book of Acts is full of examples of members of the body endued with power in a kind of an external way, the outward filling or pouring uh, upon them of the Spirit. But here he used these terms related to Peter. He was infused by the Spirit. Uh, Something solid was built into Peter. Pick up this thought and develop it for us. I thought this was intriguing. Uh, It is intriguing, and I would say... And it may seem ridiculous to say, but I'm saying it deliberately. Acts chapter 1 comes before Acts chapter (laughs) 2. The reason I mention this is in chapter 2, you see the power, the baptism of the Spirit. But Peter is drastically different in Acts chapter 1 from the way he was at the very end of the Gospels. Right. His speech, his way of speaking, his function among the brothers, all point to a change in Peter's being based upon what happened to him and the others in John twenty twenty two. That was the time the Lord Jesus breathed into them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, who is the spirit of reality promised in John 16. And that spirit would, and of course still does, guide the believers into all the divine reality. The point here is that Peter, along with the others, received an infusion of the spirit, essentially causing him to be born of God, causing him to be indwelt by the triune God in Christ as the Spirit, causing him to have an intrinsic change in his being and bringing into him the divine element and the divine life which made him an intrinsically different person. So we begin our consideration of Peter with this realization and connecting Acts 1 with the book of 1 Peter, which uses several marvelous adjectives. Mm -hmm. And the significance of the adjectives in this context is 
that they point to Peter's constitution, to the reality that had been wrought into him. So the first thing we need to see is that something happened to Peter at a very profound level of his being. And now we see a Peter infused with the spirit of reality. When Peter was doing things, when he was hearing things under the Lord's discipling in the Gospels, he did not understand what was happening. He did not appreciate what he was hearing. The Lord knew this, but the Lord told us the spirit of reality will come. He will take everything of the Lord, transmit it to us, and make it real to us. This is what happened to Peter That is why in Acts 1, we see a different Peter, and that is why in 1 Peter, we see a mature, divinely constituted Peter able to write out of his being and express marvelous things that are found uniquely and solely in his epistles. Well, this uh, sort of sub-theme, I would say, regarding the person of Peter as an example of the working out of the very things he was writing about will, I think, accompany us all the way through this life study. But let's turn now our attention to the actual letters of Peter themselves, and specifically, what is the subject of these marvelous short New Testament epistles? Let's go back to Witness Lee. I ask you, what the main subject of Peter? Not so easy. Hard. Peter's very particular. He's talking something so much, yet he wouldn't give us the term of that thing. In these two books, he is on God's universal government. Matthew, we all know, is on the kingdom. Don't think the government and the kingdom are one thing. No, no. The government is not the nation. The government, like Washington, D.C., is the administrative center of this country. Matthew gives you the kingdom. Mark gives you the service. Rook gives you the salvation. And John gives you life. But you don't have the government. And Peter's here to fill up the gap, showing us God's government rules over the entire universe. Why do we know this? Because eventually he says, expecting the new heavens and new earth, in which righteousness will dwell. That means in God's universal government, Eventually, in the coming future eternity, everything will be right. Everything will be in good order. That is righteousness. Today, on this earth, you can see what? Righteousness? No, unrighteousness. Disorder. But God is governing. Uh, Ron will have a lot of opportunities, but this is really the first one. Let's talk about this subject, this amazing topic of Peter's writing 
God's universal government. It's not often thought of or discussed in Christian circles, is it? Uh, no, no, it isn't. Very little clear teaching and preaching about it. Some speak of sovereignty. Uh, we appreciate this. And, and there is much writing about the kingdom. But even the use of the word government is rare. The word government itself is not found in First and Second Peter, but the thought is there clearly. A kingdom is one thing. A kingdom is like a nation. Mm-hmm. And in that kingdom and in that nation is a government. So we would ask our listeners not to regard kingdom and government as synonymous. The kingdom is the realm in which God rules for his expression. The government is a particular matter. In the kingdom is a governing activity and a governing center. And the entire universe is under not only God's sovereignty and is not only God's kingdom, but is under God's government. And we will see in future messages, God's government is exercised to produce a pure and righteous and suitable environment for his dwelling. And God exercises his government mainly to deal with unrighteous things, unholy things, impure things, things that do not match him. God will not dwell among that which is unclean and unholy. And the first ones to experience the exercise of God's government are God's own people, the church, the believers. A significant verse in our study will be from chapter 4, verse 17 of 1 Peter. Judgment begins from the house of God. Then it goes outward, eventually, to reach the unrighteous. And we Christians, whether we know it or not, are living the Christian life under the government of God with his judgment and related sufferings. Peter was rich in experience of this and clear in understanding regarding this. And his writings shepherd us, comfort us, supply us, and guide us regarding this matter. And the first thing that needs to dawn upon us, and it will take time, maybe the entire life study, the first thing that needs to dawn upon us is that there is a government of God in this universe. It is particularly exercised over the church and over God's children, and that we Christians, whether we know it or not or like it or not, must live and are living our Christian life under the universal government of God. Wow. 
You said something very interesting there, that Peter was well familiar with this subject experientially, and I think this is what connects the first section of the program with its conclusion, this matter of judgment. The Lord didn't spare Peter uh, when he would be exposed in his natural and human sort of frailty and, and displaying the lack of understanding. He judged him, and that judgment helped produce the apostle that he eventually became. Exactly. Peter did not understand what was happening when he was with the Lord in the flesh. But eventually, the spirit of reality, with his further experiences, combined to give him this clear vision that I have been and still am under God's government. That is why I was dealt with. And this is a precious thing. It's a positive thing. I had to learn to humble myself under that. And I discovered there's a precious supply of grace for those who are humbled under God's governmental hand. And this is a necessary aspect of the carrying out of God's economy for the fulfillment of God's good pleasure. So a particular portion in the New Testament ministry was measured out to Peter, especially in his writings, related to the Christian life under the government of God. Two epistles, only eight chapters, but my, Mm. what a marvelous and vital subject, urgently needed. I'd like to testify, although my experience is limited, it is nevertheless real. Peter's ministry regarding the government of God has been very precious to me in my own life with the Lord in the past 20-plus years. Certain things that happen to us, they happen because God is exercising his government over us to judge the negative things in us, to work himself into our being, and to produce something in us worthy of him and worthy of his dwelling place. Mm. This is not something we can opt out of. It's going on as we speak. And it's a tremendous help for us to see God's government, to accept God's government, to be humbled under God's government, that we may be gained by the Lord for his Mm. eternal economy. Ron, I feel very good. I think we can end the program here. With your permission, I'd like to conclude with a, a verse from Peter near the end of the first book that really underscores something you said. Actually, you made the point twice, and that is the grace that's available to God's people under that judgment when we humble ourselves before the Lord and really receive the judgment from him. First Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will himself perfect, establish, strengthen, and ground you. A wonderful verse. We believe this is happening and will happen to us and so many of the listeners. The God of all grace himself, personally, directly, will perfect us, establish us, strengthen us, and ground us by his grace for his glory. Mm. 
Good to have you here, Ron. Thank you. Good to be here. And it's good to have you with us as well. As Ron pointed out, we'd like to tell you how you can get the printed messages. Uh, This is the way, I think, uh, best to go through these live studies with us day by day on the radio. If you can obtain the printed volume and follow along and really get into the depth uh, of the messages as Witness Lee gave them uh, many years ago. You will be greatly benefited. You can find out or you can receive them by contacting us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Just ask for the Life Study of First and Second Peter. And uh, you could write to us if you prefer. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send email to radio at lsm.org. We'll return now tomorrow as we begin this uh, live study of First Peter. Hope you'll join us tomorrow, the rest of the week, and for all of these upcoming programs. We really uh, do look forward and expect the Lord's uh, sincere outpouring and much light and grace to accompany all these programs. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wild. Thanks for listening today. The Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the types of Christ conveyed in the Old Testament tabernacle and offerings. The reality of the five main offerings in Leviticus serve as the examples in the first 12 chapters of John, and in chapters 13 through 17, the Gospel of John unveils the New Testament reality of the type of the tabernacle. The fulfillment of the tabernacle and the offerings in the writings of John is now available Get your copy today by calling 1-800-549-5164. That's 1-800-549-5164.